Thanks, Carol. All right, happy New Year's Eve, everybody. Great, 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 great. That's fine. That's fine. My name is Fred. I get to be the lead pastor here, and, and um, I am really glad that we get to be together today. And, and um, here's, here's what I want to start doing. Uh, I want to start off something that's been on my heart lately. And, and uh, for those of you who watch the news and watch what's going on in the world, there's a lot of wars happening around the world. And, and um, wars often cause a lot of questions. Right, here's what Jesus has asked us to be in this world, is to be peacemakers in this world. And, and yet, we also are here on this world to push evil back, right? And so these two tensions exist at the same time, of, of this call to, to push evil back and yet to, to be peacekeepers. And so what I'd like to do is to start off and pray for those two tensions, and to pray that, that evil will be subdued in the world and peace will reign. Um, even if just a little bit, because we know one day we will have ultimate peace. But until then, we'll take what we can get, right? So let's, let's pray. Jesus, um, you are well aware and acquainted with everything that's going on in the world. The stuff we don't see and the stuff that we can't see. But Jesus, you see it all. And, and we live in this world where there are tensions that we have to, 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 to balance between, tensions we have to struggle with. And war is one of those tensions of, of pushing evil back that needs to be pushed back because it is death on earth. And yet, we desire in our hearts and in our souls, we desire peace. And so, Father, I just lay before you as a church those two tensions that, yes, like subdue evil and let peace prosper. And however that works, Father, in your economy, those two things can work together. And we ask you to do that in the world that we live in. Subdue evil and let peace reign. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, this is the last day of 2023. How's 2023 been for y'all? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Ready? One, two, three, go. Okay, lots of thumbs up, thumb middle, thumb down. Aw. Well, I hope you have a better 2024. Um, uh, and for thumbs up, I hope the thumbs up continue in 2024. I hope the middle thumbs um, at least stay middle for 2024. Right, right. We don't want to. We don't want to go south on that. Let's 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 keep going north. Today, here's what we get to see in Scripture. We're going to cover a whole two verses as we go back to the Book of Colossians, and we're going to see what Jesus has for us in particular with some of the closest relationships that we have. Right, and what we're going to see today may sound very difficult, and the good news is that it's difficult for all of us. Right? But the really good news is that we have the Holy Spirit with us to empower us and to help us because it wouldn't be in God's word if God couldn't help us do it. And so, so, so take that and, and remember that here at Fellowship, we don't strive for perfection, we strive for progress. Right? Because what we're going to see today uh, are words that perfectionists will gravitate toward. Right? 
We are here for progress, not perfection. And so kids, you are here today because this verse that we're going to cover, this very first verse that we're going to cover, speaks directly to you. Right, And so we wanted you in here because of that. And now, like Carol said, there should be a page. You should have gotten a page to follow along with. There's some prompts on there from my message for you to fill stuff out. When you fill that stuff out, at the end of the service, take it back to Miss Carol. Um, and what, Oh, she's got candy for you. So what about adults? If they fill it out? Okay, so there's some back in the bin. If you need some more candy after the holidays, go grab one. We won't, we won't judge. But we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And, and here we're going to see uh, what Paul has for us in this area of relationships with family. And what we've seen in Colossians, just to give you a really quick overview, is Paul has talked about the gospel, the good, news, the good news of Jesus. And how that good news of Jesus not only changes us, but it grows in us. And how this power of Jesus, this gospel, is needed in the relationship between parents and children. And I think we can all attest to that. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hands on this. This isn't, isn't a thumb up, thumb down, thumb middle thing. But anybody experience difficulty in the whole parent-child relationship ever? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think we all do, don't we? Well, and some more than others, <laughs> right? And so, so, so let's see what Paul has to say for us today. But before we look at Colossians, I want to step back a little bit and, and read some stuff from Deuteronomy for you because this is the frame of reference that Paul is working from. And what I'm going to do in Deuteronomy is just real quick, I'm going to give you the big picture. And then what Paul's going to do is he's going to take that big picture and hone in on something specific, right? So, so listen to this. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord God commanded you so that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Now, anybody recognize this one? Honor your father, father and mother. Where's that one from? The Ten Commandments. That's right. That's right. It's one, of the, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And here's what's interesting about this commandment. It is to everybody that has a mother and a father, which, by the way, is everybody. Right? Right? And everybody is to honor their, their mother and father. Notice this is, this is for every person. Now, the question, though, is what does honor mean? Right? Because there's been a lot of ink spilled on, well, what does honor mean? And I'm not going to go into all the, all the nuances of it. I want to hone it down just for the sake of, 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 you know, well, honestly, for the sake of moving on. Um, uh, honor means this. Honor means to respect. Right? So we are to respect our mothers and fathers. It means to think good thoughts about them. It means to assume the best. It means to look for the good. It doesn't mean that we ignore the bad, right? And if the relationship is healthy enough, we can talk about the bad with them. But it means we don't dwell on the bad when we think about them. That's what respect means. Like think about somebody that you genuinely respect. You see the good in them, right? Now, you may see the bad, but you, you're overpowered by the good that you see in them. This is what it means to honor, right? And the responsibility is to us 
to do that towards our mother and fathers. But there's also a responsibility of parents to their kids. Listen to this in Deuteronomy 6. It says, now this is the Deuteronomy 6 chapter 4. I mean, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Anybody heard that verse before? Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And these words I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit, at your, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And so now Deuteronomy is saying, okay, okay, everyone is to honor your mother and father. Mother and fathers, here's what you're to do. You are to talk about your faith in God with your kids all the time. Like it is to be a normal part of conversation. It is to be when, when you, you sit down, when you, when you drive around. If they had cars then, that's what it would say. Hey, when you're, when, you're, when you're waiting in line for carpool to drop off the kids, it's a great time to talk about your faith. When you get up in the morning and you're sitting at the breakfast table, it's a great time to talk about faith. When you lay them down at bed at night, it's a good time to talk about faith. Right? You see, everyone gets to honor their mother and father, and mothers and fathers get to teach their children what it means to live with the faith in God every day. Now, when I say the word teach, what comes to mind? Probably something like this, doesn't it? Where a person is standing up teaching. But when you hear words like when you sit down, when you walk by the way, right? Does that sound like this? No. Because what God understands is that the primary mode of discipleship from parents to kids, the primary mode of teaching kids our faith in God is through relationships. It's through the relationship of parent and child. That relationship is the primary path for teaching. And what Paul is going to do is he's going to take these two things. Honor your mother and father. And build a relationship of discipleship with your kids to teach them the way. He's going to take these two things and he's going to hone in on them and say, hey, I'm going to give kids one way to honor your mother and father. And he's not going to say this is for everybody. He's going to say this is specifically for kids. And then... He's going to say, parent, I'm going to give you one way that you can build a healthy relationship with your kids to teach them the ways of faith, right? And so with that, let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 says this. It says, children, obey your parents in everything. Aren't y'all so glad you're in here today, kids? Right? You get the verse that says, children, obey your parents. Has, has, has anybody ever heard your parent quote that verse before? Huh? Okay, fine, fine, fine. Well, here's the deal. Here's, here's what Jesus wants for you. Jesus wants you to obey your parents. And, and here's, I'm going to tell you why in just a minute, right? Jesus wants you to obey your parents. That's one way you can honor them. But the question we have to answer first is, who is Paul talking to? Who is children? Because I'm going to tell you, in our generation, this gets really confusing. Right? The helicopter moms say amen. It gets really confusing. <laughs> right? In ancient biblical time, it was much more clean cut because, because the 
word that Paul specifically uses here is the specific term for children. This isn't a command to everybody with parents like we saw in Deuteronomy. Everybody with parents is to honor their mother and father. But kids are to obey their mother and father. Do you see the difference? Because what does obey mean? It means do what you're told, doesn't it? Right? Honor means to respect. And those are two very different things. And in Jewish thought, a boy or girl was considered a child until about the age of 13. And then after that, they were considered an adult. Right? And so there was a whole different frame of reference that they were working from. Today, we don't consider 13-year-olds adults. Some of us have a hard time considering 30-year-olds adults, right? Like, like, like it's, it's, it's a whole different world we live in. And so, so the question we have to ask is, how does this apply to us today? Like today, teenagers, are you to obey your mom and dad? Parents don't answer, right? That's the question. Like, like when we read this and Paul says, children, obey your parents, is he talking to you, teenagers? Is he talking to you as a college student when you return home from college? Isn't that a weird dynamic? Do you remember that? Do you, for those of us who have been away from college for a while, and those of you who are in college right now, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you go to college, and you get to experience this taste of adult life, and then you come home, and it's this weird, like, am I a kid again? Am I an adult? You know, like, how do you navigate that? What about people who graduate college and come home, right? You see, how does this apply to us, the, the, this, this, this idea of moving from honoring to obe- obedience? When I was growing up, I, this is just how it worked in my family. Y'all have got to figure this out in your family. But I was to obey my parents until I left for college. That was kind of the mark. Like, senior year in high school, the summer of my senior year in high school, it shifted a little bit. But if my parents said, be home at 12, I was home at 12, mostly. (laughs) There was one time I came in and snuck out again. That did not go well, by the way. I do not recommend it. But when I left for college, there was this shift. I noticed when I came home, instead of them saying, hey, be home by 12, it was more of the, hey, when do you think you'll be home? And I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, I know I'll be home by one or two, maybe three in the morning. They said, okay, we don't like that, <laughs> but okay. And the reason my mom didn't like it is because she couldn't sleep until she heard me walk in the door. Right? Like, I get it now. Then I didn't. But there was this shift from obedience to honoring. There was this shift between do what I say to, hey, let's talk about this. And so in your home, like, your home has got to figure out when that shift from obedience to honoring happens. But I will tell you, it has to happen because Paul is not saying that adult children have to obey their parents. And I think this age needs to hear this. Y'all, as parents, we have to let our kids not be, we have to let our children not be kids anymore. And that is hard. Because they keep acting like it. But I did too. And I had to learn. And is it easy? No, because we all have sin that we struggle with. And kids, is it easy to obey your parents? No. 
Because you have sin in your heart. Parents, was it easy to obey your parents? No, because you have sin in your heart. Obedience is hard, but we have a very good God. When, when, I was, when, I, when we were raising our kids, we had this little mantra that we'd say. We'd say, obey, obey right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. And one of my kids said, all the way, right away, I get. It's the happy heart that's hard. And like he got, yes, it is hard. It is hard. But it's that tension that we live in with Jesus that he is able to meet us in that. And kids, I want to let you in on something that you may not think about, but everybody gets to obey somebody. Even your parents get to obey somebody. They get to obey Jesus. And we'll get to their responsibility in just a minute. But see, even your parents get to obey somebody. They get to obey Jesus. Do you know why Paul is telling you to obey your parents? Because you don't want to, just like I didn't want to, just like your parents didn't want to. Because we are all sinners and we need this reminder that one way we can honor our mother and father is that when we are kids, we obey them. But this command comes with a promise. It says this, the rest of chapter 20, it says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Like, here's the deal. When you obey your parents, like, God sees that. He sees your obedience, and he sees it as you trusting him, not just your parents. Right? Your obedience to your parents is your obedience to God because you are showing that you love God and that you trust God. And so for the kids, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three ways that you can obey your parents. and I'm going to give you one challenge if you're up for it, right? And here's three ways you can obey your parents, and I'm going to go through them real quick. You can listen when they speak to you, right? So you can listen to your parents. You obey, which means you do what they ask you to do. So when they say, can you take out the trash, please? Do you know what you do? You take out the trash, right? That means you listened and you obey and you respect them, which means you don't roll your eyes or shrug your shoulders, right? Isn't that hard? Isn't that hard? Now, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. For three days, just three days. So um, it can start tomorrow, right? So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Here's what I want you to do. Kids, if your parents ask you to do something, respond with yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, just for three days, and then go do it and see what happens. See what happens. Parents, what do you think would happen if you asked your children to do something? If you asked your kids, now remember, this is kids, to do something, and they responded with yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, and went and did it. How many of you would think maybe aliens abducted your children and have replaced them, right? Like, like it might change more than you think it will. So that's the challenge. Now, 
And parents, you're not getting off easy. Y'all, y'all are next, because look at this. Remember, everybody gets to obey somebody. Right now, here, Paul is going to address the fathers, but this also applies uh, to mothers, too, and I'll, I'll address it. Because here he says this in verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, and, and, and here's why Paul is specifically addressing fathers. And, and I do think that, that mothers can very easily apply this, too, because I am not, I am not a fool up here thinking that, that uh, we have families with with fathers and mothers at home who are, who are knocking it out of the park. I know we have divorced families here. We have single mothers here. And, and, and you mothers are trying to hold everything together. This applies to you as well, right? But in Paul's time, there was this thing called patria protestas, which means the power of the father. Right? And whoever the, the oldest father was in the family, whatever he said went. And so if, if the, the father of the family said, I need everybody home at 10 o'clock, and you were 38 and you had a wife and three kids, guess what? You, your wife, and your three kids got home by 10 o'clock because the power of the father ruled. And what Paul is doing is he's looking at this Roman culture and saying, hey, maybe, maybe if discipleship, like in in Deuteronomy that we see between parents and children is formed in relationship, maybe there is a better way to develop relationship than that. Right? And so what he's saying is that that he's addressing fathers because in the Roman culture, and, and honestly, like research shows this is still true today, that father set the pace for the family, right? As the dad goes, so goes the family. That was especially true in Rome, and it's still true today. And Paul wants the highlights here, but like I said, moms, this, this definitely applies to you as well. And he starts off with fathers, do not provoke your children. Now this word provoke, do you know what it means? What does provoke sound like? It sounds like poke, doesn't it? And that's what it means. It means to, to poke. It means to prod. It means to stir up. It means, to, it means to, to make angry. It means to pick a fight, right? Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, right? And, and this is a father who keeps poking and provoking children until the point of anger comes up. Now, here's the deal. Kids do get angry, and we can't control that. They can get angry. You ask them the most polite way possible to do something in the nicest way possible, and you may still get anger in response. And if so, then that is the, their sin, and you can help them work through that. But if you ask them to do something in anger, if Ask them to do something that stirs them up. And you're stirred up and you know that it's going to stir them up. And then they respond back in anger. That is your sin as the parent and their sin as the child. And now you get to manage that on your own and manage it with them. And Paul is saying, hey, what if, crazy idea, we just don't do that? And what if instead you don't stir your children up? Right? Because here's what happens. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Because what happens over time is that discouragement sets in, which means you will see kids lose their ambition because they realize they can't win. Right? 
They give up because they know they can't please you or they respond with rebellion or even worse, they just disappear completely. Because if they can't please you, then, then their thinking is, how in the world can I please a God who says he loves me and a God who's called Father? Now, interestingly, you won't see how to discipline your kids in this letter, right? What you find is how to have a relationship with your children that allows our faith to grow from parents to children. And and here's the deal. I am not an expert on kids, but I have been counseling adults for 20 plus years. And I have seen what this looks like in college students. I have seen what this looks like in adults. Y'all, I have seen seen what this looks like in 70-year-olds whose fathers provoked them and stirred them up into anger. And I will tell you, it doesn't look good. It is stuff that they have to struggle with in many ways their, their whole life. And what Paul is doing here is he's trying to help us as parents form relationships with our child where obedience flows out of that relationship. And the goal for parents is this. So parents, if you took a note page and you want candy, here's what I want you to write down on it. That your goal is to foster a relationship to foster obedience. Again, are we striving for for perfection? I thought I was pretty clear on that at the beginning. (laughs) Are we striving for perfection? No. Are we striving for progress? Yes. Are parent-child relationships hard? Yes. Is having a relationship with anybody hard? Yes. Do we need Jesus for this? Yes. And our goal is to foster a relationship, to foster obedience. And so how do you do this? Okay, parents, this is, this is yours. I'm giving you three things. Here's the first one. Oh, it's so hard. Control your words, which sounds easy, but the, the hard one is also control the tone of your voice with those words. Right? Oh, how many have heard, it's not what you said. You know where I'm going with this? It's how you said it, right? That is a way that we can stir up and provoke anger. And that's on us. Do you know why? Do you know who? Do you know who can control your tone and who can control your words? Only you. Nobody, you can't blame anybody for it. It is your responsibility to control your tone. Hebrews 12, 6 says this, the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves. Your discipline in this relationship with your kids comes out of love, not anger, which means don't discipline in anger. If you have to raise your voice, a line has been crossed. Step back. Right? Don't discipline in public because you know what happens then? Shame sets in. And that's hard for kids to get over. And y'all, don't call your kids names that demean them. As adults, people don't get over that. That becomes formative to their identity. And it stirs them up in ways that as a parent you would never want to do. Now, I've seen what this looks like in kids who are treated when they grow up. And y'all, like I said, it is, it is not good. And I bet some people in this room can even attest 
to that as you think back about your past. Right? Here's the other thing, parents, that you can do. Be consistent. Be consistent. Which means this. In your life, don't have double standards. Don't be somebody on Sunday when you come to church and somebody else on Monday and somebody else on Friday or somebody else on Saturday or Sunday afternoon when you're watching the game. Be the same person. Kids can't understand double standards. They don't know who is their real parent. And it's confusing. Be consistent. When you do be consistent, that also means in discipline, you're consistent. You discipline like a referee, right? Because here's the deal. And a referee steps in when there's a conflict, right? And what a referee does is he goes, uh, he or she goes, here's the rule. Here's where you broke the rule. And here's the consequence for breaking that rule. Which means they already have to know the rule. And they already have to know the consequence. They already have to know what it looks like when they break the rule. You discipline like a referee. And it's consistent. And then here's the other one. Which probably should have started with this one. But maybe it's better here at the end. Is that you model forgiveness. You model forgiveness. Because the goal is to have children that follow Jesus, not perfect children. And the only way they know what it looks like to follow Jesus imperfectly is when you show them. And so what that means is one of the most powerful things you can do for a parent when you raise your voice, when you stir them up to anger, when you do all the things that I just said not to do, the most powerful thing you can do to your children is to go back to them and say, I am sorry. I sinned against you. That is not what Jesus wants for me. That is not what Jesus wants for you. Will you forgive me for losing my anger with you? Because let me tell you what that does. Psychologically, it does like this this power dynamic shift where all of a sudden you are the parent and you are big and strong and you are looking down at your kids just because we're taller, right? And you're looking down at them even when you get down to their level. To them, you're big and strong. And when you say, will you forgive me, all of a sudden it shifts the power to them. And that is a place of dignity. It is a place of identity and they realize that 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 we are in this together it is not me against you we are in this together and when you ask your children for forgiveness I can almost guarantee you because this happened with me never once did one of my kids go nah let me think about that every single time they said yeah I forgive you that teaches kids what walking with Jesus looks like. You see, kids aren't perfect and neither are you. And so kids, our goal is to not to be perfect. But parents, what your parents want for you more than anything is to walk with Jesus and to know Jesus and to love him and to follow him. And so parents and kids, the question for us is, do we need Jesus to do this? Yeah, we do. We do. And we, I still need Jesus. My kids are in their 20s, and I still need Jesus to parent them and to love them and to lead them. You see, this Jesus helps us in this struggle. He was crucified, and he was resurrected from the dead just to give us a relationship with the God who loves us and created us. Like, like Jesus' resurrection proves that he cares about this relationship. 
between you and your kids and between kids and their parents. And he can meet us in those toughest of moments. You see, being loved by God and knowing you are loved by God, even when you disobey, that's what makes our faith fun. Because there's always another day. Do you know what could happen, church, if we lived out these two little verses fully? If we lived them out empowered by the Holy Spirit and walking with Jesus, not faking it, but being, being real and not hiding, it, what would happen is that as a church, I guarantee you we would all know Jesus better. Because we'd be able to, to stand up and go, yeah, he met me in the midst of this season of life, and it was so hard, but he met me there. Which means somebody sitting out there will be encouraged because they're in that exact same season. And those around us would take note of how this works. And we wouldn't be giving out books of how to be great parents. We would continually be pointing to Jesus who teaches us how to be good enough parents in the situation we're in. Because that's all we need. And then we would tell each other how Jesus is changing us as parents and how kids are being changed by the gospel. And let me tell you, as a pastor, that would be so cool. And so let's pray for that. Let me pray for us. Jesus, um, these two little verses have a whole lot to them. And, and, And for us as a church, I pray that we would rely on you and meet you in those difficult times. And we would trust you to to change us, to move us, and to help us when parenting is hard. Kids, that that you would pray for, for, for yourselves when obedience is hard and that Jesus would meet you in those moments. And that as a church, we would be able to give testimony to how good you are, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.